world's appetite for solar panels is squeezing the silver supply. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics on a Thursday afternoon. And today, going to dig into a story that came out recently as there was an article in Bloomberg warning of the silver supply and demand fundamentals, which we talk about quite a bit on the show here and certainly has gotten more attention, especially after this past year's Silver Institute report, which came out earlier this year and showed a 237 million ounce deficit in the silver market. But interesting to see earlier this year, we did have a CNBC article talking about whether there was going to be a gap in the silver supply. And now, just a couple of days ago, right before the July 4th holiday, and by the way, I hope everyone did have a great 4th of July out there, got a couple of days break from following the markets, got to see some friends. Nice to be back here with you. And anyway, as I was saying, uh, we had this one come out on July 2nd, so right before the holiday. And again, interesting to see just more coverage of the situation in silver where obviously running a deficit already, the the going green mandate set to exacerbate that with a large part of that being what's happening with the solar panels, which require a lot of silver. And as the solar technology has improved over the past couple of years, we've seen a lot of thrifting or in other words, using less silver per panel, although one of the things that we will dig into today is how a lot of the newer technologies that are increasingly being used as we switch away from the perk cells actually requiring more silver. And you keep seeing these silver or the solar projections come out, which have showed some pretty big forecasts over the next years and decades. Although, as uh, we will also dig into today, even as some of the projections continue to be updated, the numbers just continue to grow quite a bit. So wanted to dig through this article from Bloomberg and a few other things that we can take a look at today to really put things in context, because is some degree, as we will see, that there can be some substitution of silver if the price gets high enough though we're not quite at that point yet. And either case, let's dig in here and see what Bloomberg had to report about the situation. Two key highlights here right off the bat. They mentioned the more efficient cells do require greater amounts of metal, although the solar industry has begun looking at cheaper alternatives. And again, uh, the title here, I think, speaks quite a bit. World's appetite for solar panels is squeezing the silver supply. And they mentioned here changes to solar panel technology are accelerating demand for silver, phenomenon that's widening a supply deficit for the metal with little additional mine production on the horizon. And just for anyone who has not yet seen this, I'd like to highlight thanks to the Silver Institute, the numbers that came out, I believe it was April of this year, which you see down here, market balance of 237.7 million ounces. Now, if you include the metal that has come out of the exchange-traded funds, where 125.8 million came out, that would bring that down to 111.9 million ounces, yet still, regardless of which way you want to uh, count for it, you have a market deficit. In fact, it's interesting. I personally think that 
make sense to include the metal that's going in or out of the exchange traded funds because if those funds are requiring it to meet investment demand, then certainly could look at that as demand. And I know there are some that, including Silver Institute, that primarily just looks at the numbers before that. So taking the total supply and the total demand net of those exchange traded funds. And if you do that, you see a 51 million ounce deficit in 2021, 237 million ounces last year, and a forecast of another 142 million ounce deficit this year. Although if you include the exchange traded uh, funds or ETPs, exchange traded products, as they refer to it, while that number last year comes down from 237 to 111.9, you see, at least using that number, some deficits going all the way back to 2019. So for four years at 73.8, 275.1, that was in 2020, where you had 331 million ounces go into those funds. And then, of course, last year and the last two years at 116.1 and 111.9. So, and you can see here the demand for photovoltaics. And back in 2014, it was at 48.4. Had quite a big jump between 2015 and 2016 from 54.1 up to 93.7. Has gone up steadily since then, up to 110 in 2021. Jumped to 140.3 in 2022. Silver Institute forecasting 161.1 in 2023. So as you can see, that number continues to grow. And how silver fits into that is that silver in paste form provides a conductive layer on the front and back of the silicon solar cells. But the industry is now beginning to make more efficient versions of the cells, although they use a lot more of the metal, which is set to boost the already increasing consumption. Solar is still a fairly small part of overall silver demand, but it's growing. Forecast to make up 14% of consumption this year, which is up from around 5% in 2014. And a lot of that growth coming from China, which is on track to install more panels this year than the entire total in the U.S. Here they mentioned the solar industry has evolved to become much more efficient by using smaller amounts of silver, but that's now changing as the standard passivated emitter and rear contact cells, which are referred to commonly as the PERC cells, are expected to be overtaken in the next two to three years by tunnel oxide passivated contact, which is often known as TopCon and heterojunction structures. Here you can see the estimates from Bloomberg showing the PERC cells using 10 milligrams per watt of silver TopCon at 13 and the heterojunctions at 22. And there was a study they referenced in the article which shows here PERC at 14.4 to 15.7, TopCon at 20.4 to 26, and the heterojunctions at 30 to 37. So the heterojunctions almost double the PERC cells, let's call TopCon about 50% higher. So if indeed the forecast to switch over to those cells goes on as anticipated, again, you're going to see higher consumption of silver. So offsetting how in the recent years, there's been a lot of thrifting and a reduction in the amount of silver that is being used. And the article mentions here something that we talk about quite a bit, that the trouble for silver buyers is that cranking up supply is far from easy given the rarity of primary mines and in an environment where miners are already reluctant to commit to large new projects, lower margins in silver aren't enough to crank up output. And here's the key thing that 
I think gets missed a lot, but I feel is pretty darn important. Even newly approved projects could be a decade away from production. So as we'll touch on in just a moment, the article also mentions how there is a degree to which at certain prices, substitutions for silver can be used in some of these panels, but at least with the way that they're currently being built and the lag in which it takes for some of the new silver projects to go into production and come online, certainly has the potential for quite a gap in our future. Here they mentioned the result is a strain on supply so significant that a study from the University of New South Wales forecast the solar sector could exhaust between 85 to 98% of global silver reserves by 2050. And that is this report that I just pulled up. And here's the part where that article talks about that. And they mention that the clean energy transition could see the cumulative installed capacity of photovoltaics increase from one terawatt before the end of 2022 to 15 to 60 terawatts by 2050, creating a significant silver demand risk. Maintaining business as usual with the dominance of P-type technology could require over 20% of the current annual silver supply by 2027 and approximately 85 to 98% of the current global silver reserves by 2050 as a rapid transition to higher efficiency cell technologies at their present silver intensive forms could increase and accelerate silver demand. Now, obviously making projections out to 2050 where technology can change quite a bit has some room for maneuvering. And as the Bloomberg article mentions here, Chinese solar companies, however, are actively exploring using cheaper alternatives like electroplated copper, Technologies that use cheaper metals are now sufficiently advanced and will soon be put into mass production once silver prices surge. So certainly there is an effort to look for alternatives to silver in these panels. Although right now the technology that's being used is using an increasing amount of silver. Here you have a comment from Philip Klapwick, who is part of Precious Metals Insight. He mentioned substitution will look more interesting when silver's at, say, $30 as opposed to 22 to 23, which I suppose is possible, although we did have silver touch on $30 a couple of times since 2020, uh, in July of 2020, and then again, crossing over 30 briefly in 2021 during the Silver Squeeze weekend. So I don't know if $30 is really going to be significant enough of an increase in the, based on the amount of silver that's used in the silver panel to get that substitution going. And certainly that has not really had a material impact so far based on what we're seeing here. So again, how are the technologies going to evolve over the next 30 years? Obviously there's going to be things that develop over that time period that we're simply not aware of now or technologies that have not been invented, although at least the dynamics as they stack up now are putting a lot of pressure on the silver supply. And in that report mentioned, that wasn't just the solar demand. That talks about the clean energy transition. So obviously you have a lot of silver going into products outside of solar and the fact that silver is such a strong conductor of electricity and is used in so many different products and so many different types of applications with a list that seems to be expanding rather contracting. And of course, that's aside from monetary demand. God only knows what we'll be seeing out of the Federal Reserve in the next couple of years, let alone decades. And again, if silver does go up substantially in price, you know, if you have $50 silver or $100 silver, do you, would there be more substitution going into solar panels? Well, most likely that would be the case. Although for a lot of the people who are watching this that are 
interested in silver from an investment standpoint. I'm guessing that if the substitution happens because silver has hit $50 or some price higher than that, um, that would certainly come as welcome news. So either case, another one of the factors that should put a bid under the silver market in the coming years going forward. Here's another one. This came from TrendForce. New photovoltaic installations worldwide will grow by more than 50% year over year to 351 gigawatts for 2023. And that's what I was talking about, how these were some recent numbers that came out from February of 2023, but just showing how even as much of an increase as we've already had, the projections continue to expand even on the short term. And also mentions U.S. market will again exhibit strong growth in 2023 because the Inflation Reduction Act has helped increase the number of projects in the pipeline. There's the possibility of a doubling of the installation demand from the U.S. in 2023. Here they show an expectation of 73% in China, 31.7% in India, 101% in the U.S., so some substantial increases that we're looking at here, and again, you counterbalance that with the fact that at the current silver price of just about $23, as I'm recording this on Wednesday afternoon, July 5th, that is not creating an environment where we mentioned that you have a lot of new projects going online, and certainly with about 75 to 80% of the silver coming as a result of byproduct mining for other metals that are not getting easier to mine. I've seen little lately to suggest that we're going to have a substantial increase in the amount of silver that is coming to the market in our near future. And when you already have the market in a deficit, which has at least partly contributed to the inventory drawdowns that we've seen in the LBMA, in the COMEX, and now in China as well, these are some of the reasons why you wonder how that's all going to add up at some point. Obviously, has not been reflected in a big way in the price yet, but see a lot of these metals, copper, a similar profile where at least to the degree that any of these green mandates are going to be met, just calling for really large amounts of metal to come online, yet without any seemingly clear plan of how that is actually going to happen. My guess is that this article from Bloomberg will hardly be the last one that we'll see on this topic in the months and years going forward, because it sure seems like it's setting up as one of those situations where some some people know about it. Most probably have no idea or don't even think about where the metals for a lot of these different technologies and applications are coming from yet. Some perhaps aware that, well, there could be a problem, but I think it's the thing that a lot of people tend to gloss over and assume that it'll always be fine, kind of like the U.S. debt and treasury markets where, you know, you're just used to something being a set way for so long and see the numbers, yet you figure, well, someone, I think everyone sits around thinking, well, somebody must be taking a look into this and there must be some solution out there. Yet in the meantime, the imbalances grow until you have a situation kind of like the uh, housing market back before it collapsed in 2007 and 2008, where for a long time, I think people just largely assume, well, the price of housing is always going to go up. Although once you removed a lot of the money that the Fed had put into the markets by lowering interest rates down to 1% in 2004, obviously some of these things change. And when an imbalance goes on for a long time before it's corrected, often the correction can be quite sharp. So 
Another thing to keep an eye on is what type of silver demand do we have as the Federal Reserve eventually lowers interest rates. And as much as they've talked about another two hikes this year, keep in mind that even Jerome Powell and the Fed governors were projecting a Fed funds target rate of about 1% lower than their terminal projection rate going from 5.6% at the end of 2023 to 4.6% at the end of 2024. And then I believe it was down to 3.4%, so about 120 basis points in 2025. And again, obviously, the market and financial media, myself included, are going to debate and wonder when we hit some of those targets, whether it's 2023, 2024, when the first rate cut is. But I think the perhaps the more substantial thing is rather than wondering, are, is the Fed going to cut in 2023 or 2024, just noting that they're even talking about lower interest rates going into the end of 2024 and 2025. So it's not just sound money advocates or Fed watchers who are talking about that. That's language that has come directly from the Fed, that they are going to be lowering interest rates, really just a matter of when and Certainly, if that's in response to more banking issues, which seems a high probability to me, you can only wonder what the demand will be for the physical silver market. Obviously, we've seen strong demand at points this year, many times through the past couple of years for physical silver and just a guess. But I wonder if when the Fed finally starts lowering interest rates again, in addition to doing quantitative easing, which seems like it's almost going to have to be a must given the amount of debt that's being issued and the slowdown in foreign buying of U.S. Treasury debt. You just wonder when that policy finally changes, how that's going to look for physical gold and silver demand. So that's something that would be eating into the silver supply at the same time as well. In fact, we can take a quick look over here. Net physical investment demand, you can see was around 300 million in 2014, 2015, then came down to 212, was under 200 million for a couple of years, although back over 200 in 2020, 274 in 2021, and 332.9 in 2022. Silver Institute forecasting 309 million in 2023. Obviously, we had a big surge during the bank failure days back earlier in the year. And again, it seems maybe I'm a little biased on this one, but it seems like there's more awareness in general of silver as an investment. Certainly gold getting a lot of attention this year as it has stayed around that $2,000 level. And if we do have banking issues again later this year that are anywhere similar to what we've seen earlier this year, well, we'll just have to keep an eye on what that ends up as the total physical silver investment demand. But certainly a lot to suggest that we could have another big year going forward this year. And that's something that check in with Andy Shackman of Miles Franklin, see if he has any idea now that we're just over halfway through the year, how the numbers are looking compared to last year. So in either case, we are going to wrap up for now because in just a little bit, I will be heading to the airport to go visit Fortuna Silver's new Seguela mine in Cote d'Ivoire, which we have talked about plenty on the show, along with Fortuna when we provided updates about what they're doing. And here are some pictures of what I will be going to see. Quite an impressive facility that they've built over the past year. 
recently did their first gold pour in May, and they're having a grand opening of sorts. Uh, it's nice. Dave Kranzler of Investment Research Dynamics also going to be there. Ron Brandstetler from Ron's Basement, who does a great gold and silver show also on YouTube, going to be there. And we're going to be taking a tour of their mine and everything that they've constructed here. So should be really exciting to see. This is primarily a gold mine, so not as much silver coming out of here. Although Fortuna obviously does have their silver production in addition to what they are producing on the gold side. And I'm excited to be taking this trip. Like I said, going to be heading to the airport in just a little bit, but we'll be getting some footage from there and show you what it looks like on the ground. And again, thanks to Fortuna for all of their support of the show over the past couple of years. We'll be looking forward to seeing Jorge Ganoza, the CEO of Fortuna, in person again, along with Carlos Baca, who is part of the Fortuna team and helps to coordinate a lot of these things. So that is what it looks like. And with that said, I'm going to wrap up now and start making my way towards the airport. But either case, hope you found this one helpful today. Interesting to see more coverage of what is going on with this silver situation and we will keep you updated going forward. But with that said, going to wrap up for now. Have a great day out there, and we will see you again tomorrow with Rafi's Weekly Silver Report.